Throughout Jewish history, Tammuz was always known as a sad month, the month associated with the fast of Tammuz and the horrible incidents associated with, the, with that date. And then, more recently, it's become a time of Yom Tov, Yud Beis Tammuz and also Gimel Tammuz. So we have to explore what shifted and how did it shift. We well know that every month has its unique theme and concept that it represents. And it makes logical sense, especially when you consider that every single thing that happens is, of course, not accidental, but directly guided by Hashem in a personalized way. If you have a month that has a special date in that month, or the Yomim Yilchodim, or various special dates, is a teichem from the Mechidish verbunden mit dem teichem von Tog or der Teg, then it must be that whatever the theme and message of that month is, is associated with and expressed by the unique day or days within that month. Le Dugma, we use two examples. In Chidish Adar, Havn Yimei HaPurim Ufkiton, you had the month of Adar, and then Purim had an impact on the month of Adar, as a ganz is man von Simcha, that the entire month, not only the date of Purim, the entire month was converted to a month of Simcha, as the Pasuk says, that it was the month that was transformed for them from de- depression to rejoicing. That actually has a practical application as the Gansa Chidish is kosher the Kriyas and Megillah. The Talmud Yerushalmi tells us that in, in principle you could read the Megillah throughout the month of Adar because the entire month is influenced by Purim. And of course, much more well known, that as soon as Adar enters, that's when we start to increase Simcha. So there you see that a date influences the nature of the entire month. And the second example is Adar Chidish Nisan. The month of Nisan, the entire month is called a month of Geula, redemption, liberation. And why? Because one date in that month, the 15th of Nisan, is the date that the hidden were redeemed. So therefore you see that the dates in a month will speak to the core theme of what that month is about and possibly even influence the theme of that month. Now, Tammuz, it's not so straightforward because when it comes to Tammuz, turns out that the significant dates represent two completely opposite themes. Let's first examine the special date in the month of Tammuz that is recorded in Nach, in Nevim. It's the Fast day of the fourth month of the year, that same from Shivasa Tammuz, which refers to the fast of the 17th of Tammuz, was in their Togis Hufka Ahair, which is the date when the city was breached before the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. And that becomes the thematic representation of the entire month. This is Fashtanik von dem, was the same Isich Messiahs zum ganzen Chedesh. As you see it in the reference in the Pasuk, that the fast is associated with the entire month. It's called Tsoim Horavi. The fast of the fourth month, in other words, the fast that is representative of the whole of Tammuz, the fast that is the fast of the fourth month of the year. So if you go with that, then it would imply that the theme of the month of Tammuz is the opposite of joy, Peronius, misfortune. Especially, especially when you consider that from the 17th of Tammuz you begin three weeks of mourning. So the first theme that catches your eye about Tammuz is a theme of misfortune and mourning. 
yet on the other hand, is in unser Dornis Galle geworden, more recently in our times, it became apparent, that there's another special day in this month, that has the exact opposite thing. This is not a theme of destruction, devastation, loss, mourning, but the theme of liberation and joy and, and redemption. When the Rebbe Shvez in Ganzim afraid given for my son Golis, because the Friedrich Rebbe was completely freed from, firstly, imprisonment, and secondly, exile, it wasn't a personal simcha and a personal liberation. As the Friedrich himself writes in the very well-known letter about Yud Beis Tammuz, that he says, not only was I redeemed on Yud Beis Tammuz, but everybody who holds the Torah dear, everybody who is observant, and then the key of that letter, even the person who is only Jewish in name, which that includes every single Jew that exists. In other words, your base Thomas reveals that this is a time of redemption, not for an individual, even if it's a great individual, but for the entire Jewish people. The exact opposite theme of, of Shivasava Thomas, which is the beginning of Golos for the entire Jewish people. All of that implies as the that therefore we must conclude if this is a geula that impacts the entire Jewish people, then it must impact the theme of the entire month, a month of geula redemption. So we've got two opposite themes. Now you may have a question, and the Rebbe will explain why it's not such a big question. Says can cash in it? It's not a big deal to ask. Vikumtes, how is it possible as b'meshach von alle deiras bezitz tikendor that for all the generations until today, haben hitkevus as the teichem for Tammuz is oich geula. Nobody knew that embedded in Tammuz is also the possibility of geula, and that's also one of the themes of Tammuz. And all they knew about was the negative and the misfortune because that's what the Pasuk tells us. So don't be surprised that suddenly out of the bloom we have a new perspective of what Tammuz is. Because the truth is, throughout the Torah you'll find again and again that there are consistently new perspectives and elements of Torah that become apparent and revealed. In Torah, new concepts in Torah, and yet they all were part of what the original pristine Torah was presented to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. And the reason for that is because because every concept and every energy has its allocated time when it should be revealed. And from which point in history and on do we begin to Celebrate and commemorate that concept. Purim is a great example. For a thousand years of Jewish history, there was no such thing as Purim. And now there is a thing as Purim. Because it was the appropriate time for it to be revealed. The same applies to us. Because we're living in the generation which is literally at the heels of Mashiach. So close to the ultimate Redeemer, Mashiach, being revealed. So now is the appropriate time to reveal the element of Geula associated with the month of Tammuz. Okay, so coming back to our issue, we've got two polar opposite energies associated with the month of Tammuz. 
So now, let's have a look. We've got these two dates on the calendar of Tammuz that are complete opposites. You actually find that the name of the month Tammuz itself represents two completely opposite energies. See, the thing about Tammuz is that the name itself is a strange name. Out of Tammuz is a nomum from an Zora. The name Tammuz is actually the name of a pagan deity. As it says in Tammuz, that the women were sitting and weeping with or at the Tammuz idol. And Rashi explains it was there was this this creation that they would heat from the inside. It had eyes made out of lead, and as it heated up, so the lead would melt and would give the impression that it was crying. That's the lowest of the low, an idol. Tammuz is the name of an idol. Whereas on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, Siddhas explains extensively as the that the apex of heat, this, the, the solstice of summer, which is in Tammuz, that's actually the meaning of the word Tammuz, as Rashi alluded to, heating something up. Siddhas explains that's, that's an incredibly lofty level, the heat of Tammuz. Because the physical sun is a physical sun and behaves in the way that the sun does, because it's vernishtalshil, because it's the evolved physical expression, like everything else in the physical world, which is just the evolved expression of a higher spiritual reality, as things are in their spiritual source, from shemesh havaya. Why do we have a physical sun to represent the fact that Hashem is compared to the sun for all those reasons, heat, warmth, light, healing, etc., protection even. Um, as the Pesach says. In other words, so Tammuz, which is a time of extreme sunlight, in Hasidus is representative of extreme godliness. That's why we use the sun often to represent things about Hashem. For example, to represent the consistency of godliness. I don't change. How do you know? Because the sun rises, as the Rambam says, every single day in exactly the same format, predictably. And as Altareba uses in Tanya, sunlight compared to the sun itself as a way to express the bitl, the, the surrender or the actual non-existence of the world itself because it's just moted by a source. The exact opposite of idolatry. Idolatry is all about ourselves, right? What, this is about losing self, complete acceptance of Hashem. So therefore, the glaring sun of the summer is an expression of what's really happening in a deeper level an exposure of godliness. And when you hit the, 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 the solstice of, of summer, the, the ultimate heat of summer, it represents the ultimate revelation of godliness. Thus, haste, in other words, it's telling us, as in Tkufas Tammuz, is made the Shem Avaya, that tells us in the midst of Tammuz, the name Yudke Vavke, which represents godliness that is completely beyond the natural reality, is most apparent, most accessible. So just like you've got Yudbeis Tammuz and Shivasiba Tammuz, which seem to be opposites, Tammuz itself is a complete paradox. Avoid Zara on the one hand, 
and yet on the other hand representing absolute godliness. The mitvet fashtanig bepashtus, and that also helps us to understand uh, what what might have actually seemed to be a big question. You might well have the question: How do Jews name a month of the year after an avoda zara? How do we say that? Do we not have a prohibition in the Torah that we may not mention the names of idols? And Amos, you might argue from a technical halachic perspective, as that any uh, idol that is named in the Torah, as the Rambam tells us, you're allowed to say the name of an idol which is mentioned in the Torah. And we've already seen that in the Sefer Yecheskel, you have the name Tammuz. Oh, so we have license to use this name. But that's only that you have the, that you're allowed to say the name. Not that you have to use the name. So why did they choose for the name of the fourth month of the year a name from an idol? And then you have to come up with a reason to say you're actually allowed to use that name. Choose a different name. But now that we've examined that Tammuz means more than just the name of an idol, it's actually no question at all. When we call this month Tammuz, we're referring to the greatness that Tammuz represents. That Tammuz means heat, which represents that this is the time of this glaring godliness that is available to the world. That's what we intend when we say Tammuz. I, you're going to complain, but there are people who use that name to serve as, to, to serve as a name of Avedah Zorah. We're not worried about that. It's like the well-known saying of Chazal, of a similar concept. Should Abish have to completely reconstitute his world and lose the structure and design of his world because there's some fools who are going to misunderstand and think that maybe there's more than one God, etc., because of language in the Torah? Because there happened to be some fools out there who chose to turn Tammuz into the name of an idol. Should that then rob us of the opportunity to praise Hashem in the most incredible way with the name Tammuz, which is supposed to represent the greatest God in us? Should we hide the fact that this is the time of the year where Shemesh Havaya is is blazing. And so here we see a similar innovative perspective about Tammuz, like what you base Tammuz comes to show us. What is written actually in the Torah? And how do people know Tammuz throughout history? We only used to know the lowest level and experience of Tammuz, that it's idolatry and that it's a time of destruction and misfortune. But when you have access to especially as revealed in recent times through Chassidus, gives access that everybody can understand them that there is a complete opposite end of Tammuz, that is at the highest level, this incredible heat and warmth of godliness. Now, 
So now we still have the question, how could the same month have two completely different energies? So maybe you'll want to explain it as follows. Uh, um, how could it be on the one hand a month of a fast to commemorate destruction? And in the same month, a yomtiv to celebrate redemption. So you might want to say, as he senes, the one is actually the explanation of the other. The tachlis from the same is, why do we have a fast? The goal is not the discomfort of the fast. Because Hashem wants us to always have a fast. The whole purpose of a fast is that down the line, it should be converted and become a time of Yom Tov. And it definitely has to be this way because why do we fast? Because there was Golos. What's the purpose of Golos? That there should be Golos? No, the purpose of Golos is something else. The purpose of Golos is not the Golos. The whole purpose of Golos is to break free of the Golos and reach Geula. So if the fast represents Golos, just like Golos itself is not the Tachlis, and it's, the whole point is to break free of Golos, certainly the fast cannot be the purpose, and it has to be to convert the fast into a time of Simcha. To remind us of this, to remind us that we have to do everything in our power to shatter Golos, and the only way to break Golos is to fix what caused Golos in the first place, as we say in our misbehavior. Therefore, therefore, the put into the month of Tammuz, the time which is a time associated with misfortune, he stuck into that month, a day of Gula, to remind us that's the goal, that's the aim. On that derech vin chedeshav, you actually find the same thing in chedeshav. Is a chedod yontov for chamishosibov on Shabbos nachamu. In the month of Av, which is the ultimate month of mourning, there is a great yontov, which the Gemara calls the greatest of all yomim tovim, the 15th of Av. And you have Shabbos nachamu. Was the month wegen den which reminds us of the consolation was wet kumen if the avedus von Tishabov, which will come to respond to and console and replace the morning of Tishabov, and if the Gvuris Vedinim Vachedeshav Bechlal, and which will remove all of the difficulty and strictness and harshness of Av. So maybe that's what it is. The goal of every Golos is Geula. So what does Abish do? In a month of Golos, he sticks in a date of Geula, and that will help us to be able to remember what we should be working towards. But when it comes to Chodesh Tammuz, this is actually not a sufficient explanation for two reasons. Val Aleph, number one, That would have made sense if first you had the day that represents misfortune, like Tisha B'Av, and then you would have the day that tells us, now the goal is to break free of that misfortune and achieve Geula through our work to do Tshuva Lalte de Tshuva Lalte de Gula, like Right? That's the template of, of first you see and feel the misfortune, and then you have the possibility of transforming it. But because in Tammuz it turns out the other way, that the day of celebration 
precedes the day of the fast is therefore mashma that implies as the inagulashabatamos that the redemption aspect of Tamos is it's not that there will be Golos, but the purpose of Golos is to eventually reach Geula. Doesn't sound like that because it's in the wrong order. If anything in Tamos, it sounds like the Geula that we're celebrating is a preparation for the Golos because it comes first on the calendar. Secondly, Bayes, if these two principles or concepts, Golos or Geula, if they follow in one period of time, in one month, so if the two follow together, you would want the feeling to be that the Golos is the means to the end, and the main theme, and the main feature, and the main focus is the Geula. That's what you'd expect. Even if you have to sense the element of Golos as well, because by feeling the intensity of the Golos, you appreciate the greatness of the Geula more. As it says about Tishabov, because the Jews were struck twice on Tishabov to Therefore, the response is double consolation. But the Golos is just there as a means to an end. Secondary, less important than the Geula. It's just to facilitate the goal. What you need to feel is the goal. You need to feel the Geula. You need to feel that that's what we're focused on. And that could explain also why it is that we renamed the month of Av. We call it Menachem Av. Why do we do that? That as soon as you encounter the name of the month, you'll already feel the emphasis as that the real purpose of this month is not the harshness but rather that the main focus of this month is to reach the time of comfort, the Geula. So that's what should happen in Tammuz as well. You should feel the Geula more than you feel the Golos. In that case, we need to understand. If we're going to say that Tammuz, like of, is primarily a theme of Geula, so we come to how is it possible? As a Meshach van Azoi feel dairies. How is it possible that for so many generations, Hartman Gorgonor Givus Vegan Dem Toffel all we knew about was the fast, which we are now arguing is actually secondary to the theme. And the Ikash boys given it Bavust. And the main theme, Gula, was hidden. How is that possible? So for them all is Vashtandik. So therefore we have no option but to conclude as the Teichem Pachedish Tamas is Takadin and Atzem Shaboy. That actually the main theme of Tammuz is actually the fast day. Not in them gufos and It's just that when you focus on the fast day, there are still two possible ways to look at it. How to understand the fast. Aleph, the first and most natural way to understand it is as things appear in the most obvious superficial way. It's a fast day, it's a time of misfortune, it's a sad day. That's the most accessible, obvious approach. Based the pnimius from time, or we could choose to look at things from a deeper 
more in, in, internal perspective. That What will this fast become in the time of Mashiach? When Abishta's glory will be revealed. And then it will be the same date will be a day of celebration. In other words, we have the ability to choose to recognize that not only is it misfortune, which is the precursor to and secondary to the main act, which is Geula, now it's that same but rather to recognize that the fast itself in its deepest sense is a time of joy. Because Tammuz allows us to appreciate not only when you stop suffering is it a time for celebration, but the difficulty itself is a reason to celebrate. Which sounds strange. Because it's an expression of Hashem's love for the Jewish people, was defaris, and therefore, as the expression goes, Al-Terbi uses in Tanya, Imagine this incredibly powerful king, who personally cleans his son's mess, because he loves his son. It's therefore, as the Pesach says, washes away our soiling of ourselves. The Puranis, the misfortune, is Hashem's love. Not that it's a precursor to Hashem's love that we'll experience in the Gula. It is Hashem's love. This is the theme of Tammuz. And you can actually see that not only in Tammuz, but in Ab as well, in a, an illusion. The, the state of the Jewish calendar using the famous Adbash letter exchange system illustrates to us something that is quoted by very great uh, sages of Judaism. As Tishabov, the date of Tishabov, which will always be on the same day as Tishabov, and of course, Shivasabatamas is the beginning of what would eventually be the destruction of Tishabov. Will always be the same day of the week as the first day of Pesach. That implies Pesach and Shivasabatamas and Tishabov are all. The same theme, and Oistuk von Chasta Yisborich, they all express Hashem's kindness and love to us. In Pesach, it's an obvious way, and Shabbos and Tishbab, not such an obvious way, but no less love. In fact, maybe even more love. Viadarabba. In the din is Melubash Pnimiyusa Ahava. When there is strictness, that in fact implies the deepest kind of love. You're not going to discipline somebody you don't care about. Where do you see more love? In strictness, in response, in consequence. For example, a father who punishes his child. He, he did something he shouldn't have done. He shouldn't have done this thing, and now his father has to punish him. Why is the father upset? Why is the father strict with his son? Because he loves him so much. That's why the misbehavior of the child, as I feel him, bothered him so much. 
to the point that he reacts in a way that's against his nature. His nature is to love his child. But here it's touched him and hurt him so deeply he has no choice but to respond. And therefore, what is the expression of deep love in this situation? Strictness. It's on that basis, Chassidus explains, Why Tisha B'Av will be a Yantav in the time of Mashiach? Not just an ordinary Yantav, but the ultimate Yantav, greater than other Yomim Tevim. Because if you think about it, everybody can acknowledge logically that when we rebuild the third obviously we're not going to mourn the destroyed why mourn? You have the Beisamikdash. But, but, but what's the big Yomtev? It's just that we are no longer in a state of sadness and depression. And it should just be like the problem was neutralized. And all that should happen is Tisha B'Av should no longer be a sad day. Why is it going to be a mega Yom Tov? The explanation is it's because the real meaning of Tisha B'Av is it's the day of the deepest love of Hashem from on high. Now, as long as we're living in our world and all we could feel from Tisha B'Av is the so-called anger and the so-called strictness. As long as we're in Golos. And the deeper love from Hashem is completely hidden. Well, as long as we can't feel the deeper love that this day represents, then it's going to be a day of mourning and of fasting. But once the, the, the consequences have been completed, and therefore the anger is gone, which is what the experience will be in the time of Mashiach. So what remains? The love. Like the parent who's disciplined the child, and afterwards they want to just hug their child. And they just want to express love to the child, because really what motivated the consequences was love. The love that was always associated with this day. Naturally, it will then transform into a day of tremendous, tremendous joy. That's the theme of Tamuz, Tamuz and Of. These are days of joy, days of love. We just don't see it yet openly. That will explain why for so much of Jewish history, all we could experience of Tammuz was the sadness and the misfortune. Because we already discussed that this is great love from Hashem, but clothed in an expression of strictness and harshness. But when you're in the time just before Mashiach comes. When you can already start to taste, you can already see glimpses of the Gula of Mashiach. Now it's time for us to begin to taste the reality of these dates. Now we can start to sense that this is a time of year and these are dates of the calendar which are actually associated with the most amazing holiness and love and connection.
in order to assist us to have that experience, the Rebbe the Ebishter gemacht, the created our Sachon of to Bein HaMetzorim, that before we get to Bein HaMetzorim, to get us into the right headspace to appreciate what the Bein HaMetzorim truly is, the Nesfen Yubayzu Yibol Tamuz, the great miracle of the Friedrich Heber's release. Truth is, in the story of the Friedrich Rebbe's release, you actually see these paradoxical ends of the spectrum. In the story, you can first see that the, the process, the first phase of the story is this tremendous harshness. Because as we know, the real light comes from and as a result of the darkness. But when that chapter of din, of strictness, was over, now you can see straight away that what was really behind all of that darkness, it was all an expression of absolute kindness and absolute light. So let's see that in the story. The Friedrich Rebbe's personal experience during his arrest was absolute pain and torture. To the point that they actually wanted to sentence him to the opposite of life. Yet on the other hand, but when it came the time, the moment of the Geula, we saw not only that the individual, the Frida Kareba, was released from prison, but we were now able to see in retrospect that every step of the process that led to the Geula was not to limit the Frida Kareba and his experience and his, his, his activities. In retrospect, we could see the Overwhelming kindness. That this was actually carving a path to expand and grow the Frida Kerber's activity in an unprecedented fashion. To the point that actually he would leave Russia and eventually get to America and have an impact on the entire world. Or to use an expression of Chazal, which the Rebbe Rashab used with reference to the Alter Rebbe's imprisonment. What's the nature of the olive? Specifically, when you crush the olive, that's when it emits its oil. In other words, the crushing of the olive is part of the process of how you get the oil. The crushing experience in, in Golas, in prison of the Friedrich Rebbe, brought out the oil of transformation of the entire world that would follow. Beyond that, not only did Yud Beis Tamas have an effect from that date going forward that now we could celebrate and we could have good things happen, but it even affected a date that prior to that was considered part of the problem, part of the golos, and turned it into a time of simcha. Not only to say, okay, now that date was actually part of the preparation for your base tamas. But to change that date that was initially a sad, frightening date to become a date of gula.
which is the template that we're discussing over here with the day that was a fast will become a day of Simcha. Which date are we referring to? Gimel Tamus. When the Rebbe is Bafrayt Givorim from Meisun, is Fashik Givorim of Dryorin Golos. Gimel Tamus originally was the date that they said to the Friedrich Rebbe that they would release him from prison into three years of exile. First of all, all it looked like at the time was an extension of or the next phase of his imprisonment. A Fashikung Zain in Golos. It wasn't freedom, it was to go to exile. To be in exile is akin to dying, as the Sefer Chinuch explains for the concept of Aramiklot. Not only that, but people at the time were not sure if the Friedrich Rebbe being sent to exile was in any way a lesser sentence than being in prison. Why are the Nocha Vegs from the Melachas from Chutzlaritz to befriend the Rebbe? Or maybe it was just because there was tremendous international pressure to release the Friedrich Rebbe, and maybe they were just playing to the crowd today. Okay, we'll release him. On the Nocha, when it's a Vidam, also Chanan Alidu Chulei Rachman Etzlan, and then when they had the Friedrich Rebbe in their system in in Golos, then they would find another way to be able to do whatever malicious intent they had. So at the time of Gimel Tamos Davrash Pei they had no idea that this was possibly something positive. But later on, on Yud Beis Thomas, when the Friedrich Rebbe was Taka released from prison, that revealed us in Emerson, his dead talk from Gimel Thomas given, then they could realize that Gimel Thomas was wasn't the beginning of a bad period of exile, but it was actually the first step towards Gula, and nobody knew it at the time. It was a day of salvation. The greatness, kindness, goodness, and Yeshua of that day, when the Rebbe is from Meiser, when the Friedrich Rebbe was released from prison, is in In a certain respect, was even greater than what you based Tamas achieved. That was being redeemed from Golos. This was being redeemed from prison. So, in a certain sense, Gimel Tamas was actually greater than you'd based Thomas, and nobody knew it at the time. And that brings us back to understanding the great paradox about what the name Thomas itself represents. In Meshach von Deiros, for most of history, when in Thomas hat sich nur ungehört sein Töchen, wer is Bechitzonius, whereas mentioned, all of our experience of Thomas was the most obvious and superficial dimension of Thomas, the misfortune. A day of fasting, a time of misfortune. How did everybody understand Tammuz in those days? With association to idolatry, because it was a negative day. Meaning to say it represented complete concealment of godliness as an avoider Zora does. That's like the ultimate concealment of godliness. But as we've approached closer to the time of Mashiach, then we have access to Chassidus, which exposes the deeper meaning and truth of everything. That was Megalim Mepharsim, given the Pneumius from Tamos, gave us the tools to be able to understand and excavate and expose the deeper truth of Tamos. As Dafkin Dem is Ha'or, that what looks like darkness, 
actually carries the potential for greater life. The the tremendous blazing revelation of godliness which is embedded in Tamos. Now the way things work is when something is exposed by the Torah, is as the Nacharob Gikuman in Welt, then it translates into how it happens in the physical plane. In the Mnes for Nude Base Tamus, in a physical story of a great miracle of liberation of the Friedrich Rebbe on Yud Base Tamus. A story that illustrated clearly the power of Shemesh Havaya, Abish's capacity to transcend and do miracles beyond nature. To break through the worst and the lowest and the darkest darkness. What was at that time the deepest, worst enemy of Judaism. Not to break and destroy them, but more importantly, to get them to acknowledge and rubber stamp the Friedrich Rebbe's freedom. Even though they knew that by releasing the Friedrich Rebbe, they'd be shooting themselves in the foot because they would only encourage more of the Friedrich Rebbe's activities, both from his own Hasidim and perhaps from others. In other words, means the same people who arrested the Friedrich Rebbe because they were opposed to his efforts to spread Torah. They were effectively acknowledging and endorsing continued and increased activity in their own country. And that will teach us many lessons. Here's one which is an obvious lesson. As we approach the time of Bein HaMitzorim, it's a time where we think about how dark the Golos is, and especially now. A person could reach a point where say, I don't know, there's no hope. I don't have the capacity to change this. Nothing's going to change. Person won't know how they'll overcome all of the challenges. The person knows that all of our troubles now will eventually translate into a gula that will happen later. But now, now it's so dark. The golos is so bitter. How can I today overcome the challenges of today? I'll wait till Mashiach will come, then everything will be okay. But today? That's the lesson of Tammuz. To the contrary. Specifically now, because we find ourselves in this lowly generation that is at the heels of Mashiach, we have access to a gift that previous generations did not have, Hasidus. And one of the gifts of Hasidus is to expose to us the real truth of the time in which we find ourselves. And before we go into those harsh, difficult days of Bainam, first we have the holiday, the, the, the Chag Geula. And 
And the idea of Yud Beis Thomas is to show us how we take that darkness and translate it into positive. To the point, to the extent that we can actually neutralize the darkness. And that should encourage every one of us that during this time of the year, we should focus on what is the deeper truth of Golos. And we certainly should not allow, allow ourselves to be downcast or in a bad headspace because of the difficulties of Golos. We have to follow what the Shachnarach says. Got to follow the laws of mourning from Bein Amitzray. With all the details. But we'll find ways that even in the time of Bein Amitzray we could have an element of Simcha that is endorsed by Torah Ludugma. For example, famously, to make a Sim on a Masechta of Gemara, which is considered a day of celebration. To the extent that there is even an alachic uh, allowance to be able to eat meat if you make a sin. Or if it's not making a sin, at least we should engage with full passion in more Torah learning, which brings a person joy. Particularly to learn the laws associated with the construction of the base Amigdash, Binyan base Amigdash, by us learning about the Beis Hamikdash and what the Beis Hamikdash looked like is So the Medrash tells us that the Eibushter considers us as if we built the Beis Hamikdash. All of that approach, learning Torah specifically about the Beis Hamikdash, will bring out the truth of what lies within the essence of Bein Hamitzorim. The Bein Hamitzorim, as it will be revealed in the future, that these days will be converted into days of tremendous yomtiv and celebration, and it should happen, even before Bein Hamitzorim.